0: Welcome to Macintosh and Mod. Haven't Seen What? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we are continuing our 80s ladies series with an officer and a gentleman.
1: A young man must complete his work at a Navy officer candidate school to become an aviator with the help of a tough gunnery sergeant and his new girlfriend. Ooh. Romance.
0: We're taking a little of a detour. Because this one is not quite lady centric, but the lady is a really big deal. So this movie is still really important to the 80s. (laughs) So we have to talk about it.
1: It's that important that I think we need a guest to join us.
0: Of course. Who
1: is our guest, David? Our guest, a voice actor extraordinaire and member of the cast of the Lafresian Chronicles Arson. It's Michael Porteus. Michael, welcome to the show. Hello! Thank you so much for
2: having me on. I'm so excited to be here, and I am really, really pumped to talk about An Officer
0: and a Gentleman. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for being here. So, had you seen this before?
2: Yes. An Officer and a Gentleman is a movie that falls into a category for me that I call babysitter movies. (laughs)
1: I think I know exactly what you mean Okay
2: Uh, Along with like uh, My Cousin Vinny My Cousin Vinny is also a babysitter movie Okay Any movie that you could conceivably see Way, way, way too young Because your parents don't remember All of the things about it That you shouldn't see Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they leave it on And they walk away. Yep. Sounds about right. And then there are boobs. Yes. Your your parents turned it on. They leave the room. And you consume the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And you never tell them anything that you saw. (laughs) So (laughs) that you're able to watch that movie again whenever you want. Mm -hmm. Even though it was for your sensibilities for the age that you saw it kind of lame. But secretly you like hold on to it is like this kind of awesome thing mm-hmm. so this is a movie that's gotten to like age with me i think the first time i saw it i was probably in like the fourth grade okay and i have been watching it constantly ever since because this is also a like tbs old favorite oh sure also along the same lines as like my cousin vinnie uh it's a it's a tv movie that you
0: just see on all the time officer and gentlemen it's just on it's probably on right now it, it's not a film that they have to cut much to make it work on a, a regular network rerun channel because I know I caught bits of this movie on like what eventually became the CW because I didn't grow up with cable so like yeah I saw bits of this movie as I know a child. I've seen the
1: end of this movie before
0: everyone's sure. seen the bits of the the end of this movie <laughs> the right. end of this movie is iconic oh yeah. I mean, and the end
2: of this movie is, of course, aped in everything, thousands of thousands of things. I mean, I I saw the end of this movie on The Simpsons before I saw the end of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So this is this is an old old favorite that that I have gotten to to watch, and I have gotten to change my. Changed my attitudes and thoughts about as as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. and it was really great to come back and see again in my 30s. As it's been easily well over 15 years since the last time I watched this movie the whole way through. And oh, nice! I, and I probably haven't seen it uh, as a as it was uh, theatrically released mm-hmm. in about 15 years. I, probably the last time I saw it was when it was on TBS. <laughs> Is this a good movie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Probably not. Okay. It's
0: probably not good, but I love it. <laughs> I I need a few. Okay. As the movie has been made. No, it's not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I can edit what we currently have to make it better. And that's mostly get rid of all the flashback crap, because that's the stuff that's really I don't want I don't need it and it makes me feel really icky and I don't I, I don't need it for the story
1: all you need is to find out that his dad like you can just say it and not give us an explicit flashback to see Robert Loggia hey. being disgusting
2: because
0: then we never see him again
2: well and <laughs> I get what I need from Robert Loggia's character from that from that first sequence with he and Mayo in the apartment that they share. Yes, yeah. I get all of that. We get everything. Oh, dad's a loser. I do not need him treating him badly as a child. To, like, <laughs> Just suffer
0: severe trauma, which we do need to give a content warning to our listeners. There is going to be some conversation there, there is going to be conversation about suicide because it is it does occur within this movie.
2: Yep. And it's a massive plot point that can't be
1: skipped over.
0: <laughs> it, it can't be. David, we'll want to put one in up at the front. Just want to make sure we put that here in case anyone skips over that.
1: Content warning for that, content warning for racism, which again fits the story of the film.
0: It's one of those awkward
1: situations.
0: It's bad. I don't. don't, those Those are the other things that make this movie not great. I know it's 1982, but I do have to review it in 2021. It's
1: funny. I'm of two minds of this movie in that one, it's dated. It's very, very dated, but it's also the first of its kind in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's I mean, but there's elements here. I'm like, first of all, I'm watching Top Gun like this is what I'm watching right now, except Top Gun had a gigantic budget and actual fighter jets. That's the difference. Top Gun has access to actual aircraft carriers and mm-hmm. F-14s, and like the most tepid sex scene
2: ever committed to film.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. that too, <laughs> and also lots of homoerotic
2: messaging. Lots and, of homoerotic. I mean, I mean, top Top Gun's so beautiful because it's like the gayest yes, film ever made. Gay, so okay. and that it's, is
0: that element is. It's like the most perfect be.
2: thing ever made. It's, but there's also there's also Full Metal Jacket in this a lot of Full Metal Jacket elements that are that are interspersed throughout all of this?
0: Well, in the 80s, it was all cadet films. We had Taps. I have the list. It's Taps, Stripes, Private Benjamin, Up in the Academy, The Lords of Discipline, and then Biloxi Blues, Top Gun, Heartbreak Ridge, and Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. That's all in the 80s. That's all about people in cadet training. Recruitment.
2: 100 percent well 100 it's it's recruitment i'm by no means a flag carrier for the u.s military <laughs> industrial complex no.
0: neither are we we both happen to come from families that are very pro-military but we we are of the mike berbiglia we support the troops because if they weren't the troops we'd be the troops and we would be the worst troops <laughs> <laughs> that's it's true that's, it's very true that's my stance
1: Somebody's going to have to be the troops. Let it be people who are excited about doing it.
0: Well, uh, it's certainly making them a lot of money because this film had a budget of $7.5 million.
1: That's not bad for 1982.
0: Not bad. It grossed $130 million. It was the, it was the number three movie of, of 82. It's an
2: incredible amount of money for a movie that can't properly press the back of their dress whites. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which made me crazy throughout this entire film because naval dress whites are between that and the uh uh the coast guard dress whites they're like one and one a if you are into a person in uniform those have got to be like one and one a in terms of like hottest u.s military uniforms like they are some And whoever was in charge of this costume department could do nothing against the Seattle moisture to keep the wrinkles out of the back of these dress whites. They were powerless to stop the unrelenting wet of Puget Sound.
0: You said everything that was in my heart about this issue. Because the Navy has, in terms of uniforms, have the hottest uniforms ever. They do. They're all good looking. They, all of them look amazing. Air Force, who cares? Coast Guards, you, you're, you're the B squad. No one cares about you. Marines are pretty good. Some of the Marines uniforms are pretty good. Army, pretty damn good too. All of the Navy's uniforms are amazing. They fucked this up. They made them look less than, and that's offensive to me.
2: Naval dress whites are A plus the
0: hottest thing in the world.
2: God tier uniforms, and you just you couldn't get the back of them right. And no.
0: Was there no starch in Seattle? Was there none? You know, there's something that feels kind of low rent about this movie at times. Yes, I believe it was the 7.5 million dollars. They needed another half million dollars for pressing and starch.
1: But it feels at times when you're watching it like did y'all not bother to try to light this
0: scene any better?
1: Cause right now everybody just looks
0: gray. Okay. Well, nobody wanted to make this movie. <laughs> so there's that. All right. It hung around Hollywood for about eight years, the script. Because um, it's a good script. It's a de- it's decent. It it needs some help. It needs some help. Yeah, but like just on it, just on a room but on, the, pitch. on a face level, great story yeah good story
1: a romance based around a military cadet
0: program yeah but michael eisner yes disney ceo michael yeah, eisner, that guy yeah uh because it was at paramount at that point he was very much against it but he was finally convinced by producer don simpson to do it they only had a budget of six million dollars at that point but the final budget only went up because the navy Refused to support the production <laughs> uh-uh. they didn't want anything to do to do with it. they didn't think it would be successful at all. They're like, nope, we're not touching it because this film is not a to be fair. this film is horrible for navy recruitment It's not
2: great no and it's it's one of those things like like I said, as being able to watch this in like various ages of my life sure. when I was in my teenage years, in my like first discovering, reading, catch-22 years, I seemed to remember the villain of this movie being the U.S. military-industrial complex. Sure. But then when I watched this movie in my 30s, who the villain was being presented to me as was a woman. <laughs> and that was... That really upset me because that was not at all what my brain had, had remembered.
0: There is a woman who I would say is predatory. She she gets called out properly. Absolutely. 100% fair. But the women are not the problem here. No, absolutely
2: not. Uh, But at the end, you know, Mayo is looking at like. He's his own villain. He's looking at the the people about to enter the meat grinder that just chewed up and spit out his best friend.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, this is part of the apparatus that killed him. Yes. And he's, he's looking at all of them and he's like, <laughs> shucks,
1: I have <laughs> no idea what they're in for over the next yeah. 13 weeks. Boy, how funny. This will tie into the script, but here's one of the major problems. When we end this movie, he should have quit. I think it works better if he quits and then goes after her and she agrees to be with him because then what it says is, I don't care. It's you I care about because that meat grinder thing, its that's the thing is that they put the stakes so high with his best friend getting spat out by this horrible system and just all of these terrible confluence and then to have him come back and have this fairy tale ending it doesn't
0: feel right no i'll tell you where it needed to be because he was always going to become an officer
1: yeah that's true
0: that was going to happen he never learned to be a gentleman uh, t- t- yes <laughs> that, that's the biggest thing that i learned he never learned to be a gentleman here's here's how i fix the gentleman part they keep making a point about seeger She's, she's struggling, but she's doing the work. Oh, she yeah. gave up Liberty because she's doing the work. Her plan is she's getting on those jets. She's getting on those jets. I'm going to be it. But there's three of them that want to get on jets. And then you have that moment when they're obstacle course where he's going for the record. He's going for the record and he gives it up to go help her, which is like, oh my God, he became a team player. But what that moment should have been is that because he did that, he knew he was giving up jets yes not just helping her get across the finish line it was him knowing if i do this i'm gonna lose the number two spot for jets because i won't be exceptional enough yeah i just won't because i won't be number two to make it a real sacrifice yes because it has to be this is what's right even though it's not what's best for me because everything about what he was doing was what's going to make me the best here what's it's all about me 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 that's why he tried to break up with Paula it's all about me so here it was this this is what's best for my teammates and like that's what's right she put in the work she deserves jets not me and then you know then when number one which is his best friend doesn't make it then he you know then they can make it happy and he gets it by sad circumstances. They can do it that way, but yeah. he has to do it not knowing that he can he'll get it that way. That's an incredible rewrite. Thank you. <laughs> that's an that's an
2: outstanding <laughs> rewrite. Thank you. We got to get a time machine and get you in that room.
0: Thank you. Because he was always going to become an officer, but he did not become a gentleman and that is my problem. That's a good problem
2: to have with the movie. <laughs> There's a lot of things in the movie uh, that show what a good officer he is becoming. Yes. You, you can see him learn mm-hmm. how to stop being such a miserable little asshole <laughs> all throughout the film to varying degrees. Sure. But you never, I, I never see him take that gentleman step.
0: Exactly.
2: And what? What gentleman in the world pulls a woman out of the middle of her work shift and is just like, "All right, everybody, I'm just taking this worker off your floor. That's allowed because I'm a naval officer. <laughs> People can totally
1: do that in the 1980s. I mean, yeah. only because everybody knows who the hell he is. Well, right? Just,
0: he's just so attractive. We'll let him do whatever he wants. I, that I mean, doesn't.
1: That does not hurt.
0: I'm, I mean, white male privilege come on <laughs> that's just the way R- it Richard Gear,
1: Richard Gear privilege let's be honest okay
0: he, he is not the most attractive of those cadets okay <laughs> Richard Gere is an attractive man but he got better with age I'm gonna say it he gets better with age you're not wrong young Richard Gear, nah, take him or leave him
1: also he looks way better with the longer hair I'd he
0: leave really him. Does. I, I prefer him in pretty women in in the 90s okay
2: I wanted to make sure that special mention was made. Uh, The United States military commits a lot of atrocities in film, but I want to make sure that if anybody is listening to this and you have a drink, pour out just a little bit of it for Richard Gere's beautiful snake Plissken mullet at the beginning of this movie. (laughs) Because the greatest atrocity that the U S military commits in, in this film is destroying that hair.
0: The hair, the BC glasses. If you don't know what that stands for, that's called birth control glasses. Yeah,
2: he just he looks absolutely incredible. There's a version of Zach Mayo's life where he just continues to travel the world, take an LSD and write things down and becomes just like the world's worst beat poet. And nobody wants to watch that movie except for me. And I'll take a private screening, Richard. If you're up to making it, I'll I'll watch that film.
0: I just don't think Richard Gear had that in him as a movie. He does
2: now, for sure. <laughs> Richard, if you're up for it, I'll 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 take
0: the private screening whenever you're willing to make the film. I do think this film is perfect to be remade in today's military. Absolutely, I for 100% want that, and I want it to be the gayest story ever. Oh my yes. god. Gayest fucking story ever. Oh because that is this also gay? Yes. Yes. And It'd like really good and empowering. Because my other issue is that Paula, we don't get enough of Paula's story. She is literally, because we know that she's not in it purely just for a meal ticket to marry a pilot. I want more of her story. Right. I, I know it's simple. I know there's not a ton to it, but I want more of her. The movie goes out of its way to. Tell
2: us that Paula has her own plans and agency, and never
1: shows us any exactly.
0: of exactly, exactly, and any of that
1: would be great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It feels well. It feels like it's trying to do two movies in one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's part of the issue. I mean, they're they're trying to do far too many things in a single movie in two hours, and because of that, you lose that level of detail that we need for a movie like mm-hmm. this like this this they made this movie plot driven and it needs to be character driven
2: yeah uh, you can't make top gun and working girl the same movie
1: no <laughs>
2: because if you do that movie's going to be a
0: mess <laughs> i mean You're i'd watch seen, it david's never seen working girl i've it's never seen working list. girl it's 100% on the list but it makes it makes
2: me it makes me feel really bad because uh, you know it's it's an 80s ladies movie and i think that all of the women in this film do a stellar job with everything that they're given. Sure. I just don't think that they have nearly enough to chew on. And if they did, a lot of it had to have ended up on the cutting room floor.
1: Yeah.
0: Fair. Well.
1: It made so much money because it became the like the date night movie that all the ladies wanted to see because the guys were attractive. And then all the guys went to see it and told their buddies, like, actually, this is a really good movie, guys. You need to see it. Mm-hmm. Like, that. I've heard that story so many yeah. times oh, of absolutely. like, no, guys, you need to see this movie. Like, it's it's really, you'll dig it. It's not it's not a lady movie at all. No.
0: No, <laughs> no, no. But like, you know, it's all of like the commercials and the previews were like, oh, it's all, it's a military. It's a movie about a guy in the military. Like, yeah, there's a love story, but who cares about this? This guy in the military. We'll go see that. Richard Gere, he's cool. All right. That girl's hot. Cool.
1: It weirdly was a four quadrant film.
0: It is. Well, for the 80s, it's a four quadrant film. It wouldn't be today. But it's a slam dunk.
1: Four quadrant films in terms of quality are often a little hit or miss. They just are.
0: (sighs) Well, our writer for this film is Douglas Day Stewart. Before this, did a lot of TV. uh, Gone with the West, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, The Other Side of the Mountain, Part 2, The Blue Lagoon. After this, he wrote Thieves of the Heart, Listen to Me, and The Scarlet Letter. So, like this is clearly their biggest thing. This is a
1: dude who wrote like two massively erotic movies <laughs> <laughs> and wrote a very not erotic film in this. It's not especially, no.
0: <laughs> no.
1: Like, I think about the fact that his biggest hit to before this is the blue lagoon and going like, huh, what a a weird move for you to make
0: <laughs> well yeah but this one was like he was actually in the military like he went through uh, cadet training so this this had this has a personal element for him
1: this this was his little pet project this, he'd been this, pitching
0: this was, yeah this was his this is my story okay but made hotter
2: <laughs> and the non-eroticism does seem at least intentional because you know sure. as, as we've said Richard Gere is in no way a gentleman and never becomes one
0: no, he didn't learn it, no.
2: So all of
0: the sexual
2: aspects, especially the earliest sexual aspects in the film, it's you can tell that it's sort of learned stuff from Daddy Byron.
0: Well, yeah, well, it's definitely that. And then also probably learned experiences and stories from other cadets.
2: Right, and just trying to just trying to emulate the things that he is seeing in the world Mm -hmm. instead of trying to
1: figure out what his own moves are. Sure. A little bit of that and a little bit of fear of so stereotypical, but a fear of intimacy. And it comes out of all of these bad experiences with seeing what his dad did and, and just going like, look, I'm not going to enter a specific relationship because I don't want to hurt anybody like that.
0: Well, there's that, but there's also... I haven't made anything of myself, so I'm not worth anything yet.
1: There's a whole lot packed into
0: it. Oh, there's there's so many psychological things happening there, which I do appreciate. It's layered. He is complex. He's not without reasons. Doesn't make him not an asshole, but...
1: (laughs) The problems with the story, like we've said, have a lot more to do with the plot Mm -hmm. than the character's. And the fact that they've inserted so much plot into a film that has much more room for complex layered characters. Zach Mayo should not be the only super complex character in this film. Right. By the end of it, that's how you... Right.
0: I I just want more about Paula. I want more about Paula, but I'd love a
1: little bit more about his friend. I'd love a little bit more about the gunnery sergeant.
0: I think I got enough of his friend. Eh, I think fair. we know everything we need to know about Sid Worley.
1: But like there's there's room for the gunnery sergeant sure. to show us just just one speech about a battle he had to endure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, but like that's the thing is there's so much room to just have this be so character driven instead of spending all this time doing all this <laughs> All, all, all these karate chops for no f- good feeling
0: reason <laughs> I could have yeah the karate the karate was it's just so
1: much every time that happens the cheese factor gets raised so over the top
0: that's that's why I didn't like it. if it had been boxing I probably wouldn't have like I wouldn't have like raised the cheese factor for me quite so much if we just hadn't made such a production of it yeah. I mean, at least the at least the people who are in the
2: room acknowledge that what
0: this is a little that weird. what sergeant
2: foley is doing is ridiculous so like stupid. everybody who walks in is like what, what is happening right now is he look at how he's dressed what yeah. is he doing right now are you serious legally he can't touch us i love <laughs> that was my favorite
1: he was, legally he can't touch me yeah. so i'll do it whatever it's like that thing, though, of like, if we saw this putting the faults of Full Metal Jacket aside, I'm thinking about the first third of that movie. It's like if we see R. Lee Ermey do this, it's going to be fucking convincing. Right. Because of the way that part was written and the way that was put together. Of course, he improved it. But I mean, like if we have a fight scene and he's doing karate, he's going to be in his fatigues. He's going to bring them into a field, probably. And it's going to look like it was just put together, not.
2: On a stage. But if you take that same character, you put him on a stage, you dress him in black pajamas with a red sash around him. Yeah. And you're going to (laughs)
0: laugh. It's stupid. But with no, no buildup or context.
1: Yeah. Like
0: there was no buildup. Just like, we're going to learn karate. Why would we learn karate? Because you need to bubble. Like if there had been any contextualizing to build up to that scene, it would have taken away the cheese factor. I mean, it still would have been a little bit, but it could have helped. We, the audience,
2: just like everybody in that room, were like, "What are we doing in this yeah. empty hangar?" And just like everybody else in that room, we're like, "What the fuck is
0: Sergeant Foley right. I am here for Cobra Kai all day. But no, <laughs> no. What are you doing in the middle of this movie? <laughs>
1: It's funny to me to think of like Top Gun and go, okay, when we do a flight scene in Top Gun, there's about a minute of dialogue Mm -hmm. in which they say, here's your objective. It's like, you've got to get these three guys and you can't hit the hard deck. And in that moment, everybody who saw that movie, like they're throwing around full on fighter pilot terminology, yeah. but they showed enough of what was going on to get the point across to everyone.
0: Okay, well, that movie came out four years later, so they learned some things.
1: They did, I know, but you're just okay. sitting there going like, that, it, it really is hard not to compare back to that and oh, go, wow, sure. you could have just done so much more with such less, uh, yeah. such less. You can. You can make it a whole lot simpler than what you did.
0: Well, that gets us really, really well into our director, who's Taylor Hackford. Before this, uh, they directed The Idol Maker. Afterwards, they did Against All Odds, White Knights, Chuck Berry, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, Everybody's All-American, Blood In, Blood Out, Dolores Claiborne, The Devil's Advocate, Proof of Life, Ray, Love Ranch, Parker, and The Comedian. <laughs> We're there's, all over the
2: place there. There's there's some movies on there. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely films. <laughs> they're. There are movies that I that I've seen in theaters.
0: I saw, I did see Ray in a theater.
1: I saw Proof of Life in a theater.
0: Wow. What? <laughs> what movie is that? It's I'm,
1: Russell Crowe is oh, a that's why. um he is a hostage negotiator. Basically Proof of Proof of life being that you have to show that somebody is no, alive. Yeah,
0: explain the whole movie. In
1: a hostage. Proof of life, situation.
0: he's a hostage negotiator. Okay, I understand.
1: Sort of, but gun. like he, he also goes in and like shoots people. That's the that's the side of it. He's
2: the worst hostage negotiator. Like they say that he's the best, but because he always has a gun, he's terrible.
1: <laughs> it's it's the thing of he is the guy after the negotiations have happened, he's the guy you send in to get people out. That's the whole point of the movie.
0: Yeah, that's why I haven't seen it. (laughs) It wasn't good. (laughs) That movie sounds like garbage. John Wickard's nothing.
1: (laughs) I remember it being thoroughly fine. Not bad, not good, just fine.
0: (laughs) That sounds like garbage.
1: Yeah. I I won't watch it. Taylor Hackford feels like the guy you bring in when you don't know who else to hire.
0: Yeah, Budget director. Yeah.
1: Which is funny because like, did he win an Oscar for Ray? Or was he nominated? I don't.
0: No, now, I have to Google now because you
1: asked the fucking question. Yeah, he was nominated for best achievement in directing for Ray.
0: Well, that's fair. Ray is a very good movie.
1: Ray was very good. And one of the like original of what we now know as the biopic.
0: And a, a very good biopic film. But with the
1: scattershot of this, it just feels like he is the guy that you bring in.
0: Okay, this was his second movie. Also fair. So, like. You know what? His movie made a fuck ton of money.
2: It did. But I mean, you know what? Here's a here's a safe, stable set of hands that is gonna bring your movie in on time under budget.
0: He didn't ruin anything, he didn't do anything fancy. We needed to do some editing.
1: This has to be his calling card for like his whole career, right? I (laughs) made officer and a gentleman. Fuck it. (laughs) Like
0: I did this, that movie that you took your wife to in the 80s.
1: Everybody knows the movie. It, it you know, Lord knows how much more money it's made, not just off that box office, but sure. beyond that with the syndication the and the video. And
0: oh, yeah.
2: The Lou Gossett Jr. doesn't forget him at Christmas time.
1: No. so <laughs> no. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's there's
0: nothing super remarkable, but he, he made it. Her- here's yeah. the thing. I'm never going to remember his name. Probably not. I'm just not because, probably not. And that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, he, he may have fine movie. I, yeah.
2: I don't have like David mentioned. There's some some grayness uh, that I think has has a lot to do with Seattle and it being a person's second movie. Please just give us a little bit more lighting.
0: <laughs> you don't put it in the Pacific Northwest if you want yeah, sunlight. I get, it. I get it. I mean, there's no sunlight on Grey's Anatomy. Okay just shoot this just shoot this thing in florida and lie
2: (laughs) no one cares solve it solve your problem right there just shoot this thing in florida and lie nobody knows i don't think we had the tax
1: breaks yet but you know
2: (laughs) no
0: nobody knows everything in new york shot in toronto (laughs) nobody cares (laughs) True. nobody knows that now actually it's it's all shot in vancouver now the cooves
1: but yeah i don't i don't think he brings anything that's like actively harmful to the movie i think we're Things feel like they're they fall apart a little bit as in the writing. Yeah,
2: and and that's really where we're all of my biggest complaints about this movie are where we're just losing meat off the yeah. bones of this thing. You know what I mean? Like this this stew tastes fine. I just need more stuff in it. Yep. I, I and for sauce. and for a movie that's two hours long, I just want some more stuff
0: in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, let's get to the stuff, the good stuff,
1: the very Absolutely. good stuff,
0: the really good stuff, and that we're going to start with Richard Gere, who we've <laughs> never talked about on this podcast. Nope, we've never this has
1: not come up.
0: He has not come up on any this of our is the films.
2: first appearance of Richard Gere. Correct. So Macintosh and Maude have not seen Richard Gere. No. Well, this is a this is a beautiful way to bring him into your world with that. <laughs> incredible snake
0: plissken mullet correct <laughs> which is immediately taken away <laughs> so sad so sad so before this he was in looking for mr goodbard days of heaven yanks american gigolo mm. after this breathless beyond the limit the cotton club king david power no mercy internal affairs pretty woman and the band played on first night primal fear the jackal runaway bride autumn in new york Dr. T and the Woman, The Mothman Prophecies, Unfaithful, Chicago, Shall We Dance, Bee Season, The Hoax, The Hunting Party, I'm Not There, Nights in Rodanthe, Brooklyn's Finest, Amelia, Arbitrage, Time Out of Mind, The Second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. And he's still making stuff. Well, yeah, because he's, you know, still around and very young and uh, very good looking. And what do we think of Richard Gere?
2: I am a medium gear fan, I would say. Uh, uh, He's just fine.
0: (laughs) Fair. Totally fair. I don't
2: think that he has ever like knocked my socks off in anything. One
0: time I was surprised. I have been surprised by him. And that was in Chicago. Yeah. That was the one time I was like, I didn't know you could do that.
2: Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that he could carry a tune, and I didn't know that he could tap dance.
0: And I don't know how much of that was him, but they sold me on it and I yeah. enjoyed his I enjoyed him. So I was like, this is surprising from you. Yeah. So I was surprised by him in that. But other than that, I'm just like, oh, it's Richard here. He's pleasant. Okay. He's, he's he's he seems likable. Yeah. He has a nice face to look at. He gets along with Julia Roberts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can't be that bad. As an actor, he's incredibly understated. Like, that's his that's his go-to style. He appears so often in these, like, very taut, small thrillers and things like that. And that's where he's best, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Unfaithful being one of those big examples of a movie, which I remember hating. But I feel like if I watch now, I would actually really enjoy.
0: It's actually a pretty good movie, but it's more Diane Lane's film. The thing is, I caught it
1: like midway through out of context and it oh, just yeah. seemed fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, that's fair. It's kind of weird to be like, I don't know if he is a leading man in the broad sense of the term. I think he is a leading man in a very specific kind of movie.
0: I don't think he's tough.
1: I uh, absolutely not. I mean, mm-hmm. you
0: know, I think that's the problem in this film for him. There's no sort of.
2: Street toughness credibility to Richard Gear as a yeah, I don't buy uh, it as a person.
0: No.
1: Um. Other than his like fake Midwest meets Brooklyn urban accent that he's trying to do, which is completely
2: unintelligible, and even that's not like super incredible. No, but, not like really. the like the sequence where where he roundhouse kicks the townie. And breaks his nose. There's nothing more unbelievable to me than Richard Gear fighting a bar 40 townies.
1: Especially because it comes out of nowhere. No! We have not seen that he has this like super killer instinct, which I would be okay with if we saw that killer instinct later. And it doesn't feel like we really do.
0: The problem is we saw him get beat up with that move as a kid because it's the same move.
1: Oh, God. That's it's the exact true. same move.
0: It's in the trivia. It's the same move. I'm fine with that. But we if we're going to go with all this flashback bullshit, we needed to see a scene of him as a slightly older child learning how to fight. Not if he gets better. They don't give us any of his connective tissue. Yeah. So I have to do a lot of work to be like. <gasps> and it's right. And it's it's dumb. I didn't it's, even pick up. It's on lazy. That. Yeah, it's lazy. It's lazy. It's lazy. You're
2: hundred percent correct because that's that's something that for oh god, like the last 20 years of my life, I have just completely glossed over that. That's the same move that's that the little same kid move you got beat up it. with. Because it's
1: so far back in the movie that why would you think of it? And
0: you're like, Well, this is just sad <laughs> and horrible. <laughs> that's and just he kicked someone out of nowhere. And you're just like, what where the Fuck! Did that come from?
2: And it's in the part of the movie where I'm like, "Oh, don't worry, you can absolutely still be walking around getting snacks. None of this is important."
0: <laughs> exactly. Just get in the damn car and leave. Run him yeah. over with your car. Who cares? It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I, again, I don't buy any of that from Richard Deere. Yeah. I w- no. I w- not really. I would buy a punch to the nose and like the groin faster than I a roundhouse kick.
1: Yeah. The only thing I buy from him is scenes where he is having such an incredibly hard time opening up. Yeah. Like that distance, that coldness that I buy from him. And that's when he actually does like shine a little bit. Well,
2: and I, so, and I can sort of buy like a, a scrappy, like gym rat kind of toughness out of him too. I can buy the like, the hard work when he is forced to stay back and do his punishment workouts with Sergeant Foley.
0: That was really good.
2: When Lou Gossett Jr. is is putting him through his paces and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, I can, because yeah. that's more of it's a- a mental
0: toughness. That's
2: a, that's a, it's not a like sort of physical prowess because this sure. is also before the days where it was really super important that male actors in Hollywood also had like incredibly banging bods yeah like i'm not saying that richard Gere's body looks terrible but like stand
1: him next to a hemsworth
0: any of them even a lesser hemsworth yeah Yeah, these
1: guys these guys don't have definition in their bodies
0: no he he did not do six months of pt to get ready for this film no No.
2: you you sit him next to one of these guys and he looks like kind of doughy and sad
0: which is kind of good he's only there for 13 weeks so like he shouldn't he shouldn't be ripped before he shows up like
2: no he should look like an english major
0: <laughs> Should he should like you can have abs but like they yeah. shouldn't have like super definition come on like this is horrible so <sighs> let's also make sure that's not in the remake no de- like let, let, not no hyper definition right let's no 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 jacked english majors coming
2: in no there could be uh, there could be that. like
0: the one guy we need, we need a beefcake <laughs> That's it.
1: <laughs> we need a beefcake himbo.
2: Whoever gets the, the whirly roll can be your jacked himbo. Yes. I'd be fine with that.
1: Yeah. Oki okay, Strong.
0: Uh, Richard Gere said he only did this movie for the money, but it wound up being his biggest box office hit until Pretty Woman.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I do anything.
0: Uh, sure. But there is quite the list of who could have been better. Hey. Cause he was not the first choice or the second or the, he, he was, there's a list. Here we go. Of gentlemen who could have had this role. John Travolta turned down the lead role uh, on the advice of his agent.
1: That uh, was good advice. I can't, I can't see it.
0: John Denver was offered and turned down the lead role. He later said it read like a 1950s movie. He's not wrong on that.
1: I do not see that in my brain, even a little bit. This had to have happened in the mid seventies in order for that to work at all. For real,
0: your uh, snake Pliskin references are great because Kurt Russell also turned down the. Hey now,
1: okay.
2: I bet, I bet Hold on a minute. His
0: hair. I yeah. think
2: I think Kurt Russell is too sexy for this
0: film. <laughs> Kurt Russell is too sexy for everything. <laughs> Eric Roberts was seriously considered for the lead role, but his manager attended meetings between Eric and Taylor Hackford, which led Hackford to finally have reservations that his agent would not let him and Eric develop a relationship. So Eric Roberts' agent basically ruined it for him.
1: Eric Roberts would be good.
0: Eric Roberts could have been good. I can see that. I can see that
1: Eric Roberts gets a bad rap because he does literally any role now. But like when he shows up in big stuff,
0: he's so good. When you know he's interested in what he's doing, he's amazing. Jeff Bridges was Taylor Hackford's original choice for the lead role. Yeah. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. 1982, Jeff Bridges. This
1: time with Jeff Bridges. And yeah, I could see it.
0: And finally, Dennis Quaid and Christopher Reeve. Yes, Superman. Were considered for the role of Zach Mayo.
1: No Christopher Reeve, but God damn it, Dennis Quaid should be in this fucking movie. Dennis
0: Quaid would have been a great cadet.
1: Any Dennis Quaid, all day. Kurt Russell, you're right. You're sexy. Dennis Quaid, perfect compromise.
2: Absolutely perfect compromise. I am going to go... The next time I step through a dimensional portal, I want it to be to the world where Dennis Quaid's in this movie.
1: Holy shit! Right? I'm gonna like,
2: I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna turn on TBS and I'm gonna watch the Dennis Quaid version of this movie when I'm in that dimensional portal.
0: Wow! No, no. perfect pairing: Eric Robert as Zach, Dennis Quaid as Warley.
2: Yeah, Ooh, you're yeah, not wrong. Yeah, because
0: Quaid's got a little more himbo in him. A little bit more himbo. Dennis could do both he could exactly which is why that's why i put eric with him i know they would be great together i mean yeah quaid can do both because quaid's he's just so good
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah man oh man
1: it's so funny too because dennis quaid rocked this haircut and look just for 1963 when he did the right stuff the next year
0: i forget everyone who's in that movie yeah that's a that's a wild list i know Ah, oh, right.
1: dennis quaid dennis De- quaid yeah, we could have great. had dennis quaid or kurt russell
0: i wouldn't have been mad about kurt russell uh, i mean i'm never mad about kurt russell no we're never mad about kurt russell
2: I, the the Travolta one is gonna spin my brain for a while too i want that's to wild
0: a, that's a weird look it it, mm-hmm. it it is so next we have the lady we're here for truly that's why we're here <laughs> I mean, she's really why we're here. She carries the whole fucking movie. She's not in it a ton, but she carries this movie. It's Deborah Winger. We have also never talked about her. So uh, this is the first time we've seen her. Before this, she was in a couple of movies. Before her breakout in Urban Cowboy and then Cannery Row. And then she has an uncredited role in E.T., which was also came out this year. After this, she does our next film, which is Terms of Endearment. Legal Eagles, Black Widow, Betrayed, Everybody Wins, Leap of Faith, A Dangerous Woman, Forget Paris, Radio, Eulogy, Rachel Getting Married, In Treatment, Lola Versus, and now she's just been on a big run of doing television. She was on The Red Tent, When We Rise, Patriot, and most recently she was on The Ranch. What do we think of Deborah Winger?
2: Deborah Winger... It's interesting that you not only say that she carries this film because she as her character Paula is also just metaphysically carrying every human being in this film around on her incredible shoulders.
0: And then later she is carried out. She is <laughs> she is like she is like the
2: the emotional crux of like every human being's
1: life that she touches. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yes, that is exactly true. It is unbelievable. unbelievable.
0: <laughs> her performance lifts us up
1: where we belong,
0: <laughs> where eagles fly.
2: <laughs> how does how does she function in her in her day-to-day life? Her her best friend is an absolute disaster.
0: She's maybe evil. You can't really call her gold digger, but like she, it's not good. She's
1: a victim of a very specific way that this this town works, right? Like this is just kind of what happens.
0: But no, she's a victim of her of like of her own making. Yes, because Paula is the same victim of these circumstances, but she's not operating on the same thing. Paula's best friend is is
2: playing games. Her best mm-hmm. friend's boyfriend is a child. Her own boyfriend is a child. Yep. <laughs> Every man in her life is a child. Her mother is terrible to her. Who had her when she was a child. Yeah, her, her job by all accounts sucks. Yeah. I want to I watch the movie where Paula unionizes the bag factory. Exactly.
0: <laughs> you want her to Norma Ray that shit.
2: Absolutely. God
0: damn.
2: <sighs> She's working so hard through this whole movie to just try and hold everybody's shit together.
1: And Deborah Winger is trying so hard to hold every other actor right. like,
0: together. The, one, the thing I love about her is that like, yes, like the way she's looking at everything is like, yes, this is the hand I was dealt. And these are the circumstances. And so like, I'm working in that system. Sure. Because that's what I have. Yeah. But like, I'm not a victim of my circumstances. No, nope. I'm going to be fine. But I'm also I'm not going to be treated like crap. I'm not going to be taken advantage of. I'm also not going to trap a man to love me. Like, if you want to be with me, you're going to be with me. That's just the way it's going to be. Like, I'm not that desperate. Like, or I don't think so little of myself that I want to do that.
1: Regardless of what the script wrote for her, mm-hmm. Deborah Winger made this character three-dimensional Absolutely, throughout the entire process of the film. Like, that's, mm-hmm. we don't get enough of her because they didn't create a character that was going to be this deep and thoughtful and she brought that. Yeah. She very clearly brought
0: that. She's amazing. It remains her biggest commercial success to date. Yeah. But she despises this movie and she likes to deny that she ever had any involvement with the film to begin with. Okay. <laughs> Part of that might be some bullshit. According to High Concept, Charles Fleming, a biography of producer Don Simpson, Simpson was alleged. To have said to the auditioning Deborah Winger, there may be somebody else for this part. I need somebody fuckable, and you're not fuckable enough.
2: That's a fight on sight, good brother. <laughs>
1: that sounds like Don
0: Simpson. It's like, oh no, no. So uh,
1: like, Don Simpson. Also responsible for Top Gun. Also responsible for Don Top Simpson Gun. Don
0: Simpson is a trash person. I think we figured that out through like lots of movie trivia. Like, if we didn't know that before, no. Also, Deborah Winger negotiated her own contract. She didn't have an agent for this, but she did that before she had seen the revised script. And she was not happy when she found out that she would be doing a nude scene. And she asked to be covered up for the scene. It was told that since she hadn't thought to ask for a no nudity clause in her contract, she would have to do it as written. That's
2: fucked up. That's some dirty pool.
0: That's Mm -hmm. fucked up shit.
1: So we we have some men to go find and punch.
2: Yes. that's a that's dirty pool yeah wow. it's bullshit. not good
0: <laughs> and i'm sorry but all nudity even one that you may have agreed to on a contract should be up for renegotiation at any given moment uh-huh always it should always remain optional like hey we get there on the day hey i feel like my character needs to be nude let's get my character nude in this scene okay cool or Hey, I know my character's supposed to be nude in this scene, but I do not feel comfortable with this crew. This is uh, either we need to do these things to make me feel com- like we need to get a closed set or I'm not doing it. Well, We can't close the set. Okay. Then I'm not doing it. Okay. We're going to continue the scene without you being nude. Okay, great. I'm sorry. When it comes to anything having to do with your person and your body, you should always be allowed that that should just not become a thing.
1: Just like, good God.
0: <gasps> I'm so mad. The
1: thing about it. And and we've run into this numerous different times with different directors. And it always just comes back to what was the fucking point? Like the nudity that we see in that scene is not what makes that scene captivating or interesting. No. Their faces are captivating and interesting.
0: Like they're being intimate and that's fine. Like we know they're having sex. Who cares? But like we could have done without the boobs. I know it yeah. would have made it less awesome as a babysitter movie we didn't gain anything you know what I mean but yeah like the boobs don't make the movie you just
1: come back to like Don Simpson wants this fuckable and it's like what about this movie requires
0: that this is not (laughs) that kind of love story (laughs) exactly not enough of the men are fuckable in this movie I'm just gonna say that they're just not like I 100% would fuck Deborah Winger in this movie I absolutely would it is June pride month hello but i would not fuck any of them out in this movie. Well, i might fuck Sid Worley.
1: Yeah, no, i was about to say he's he sweet nice okie boy, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's got those vibes. But i would feel bad about it.
1: <laughs> I would fuck Keith David.
2: Um yeah. I would fuck Richard Gere with snake pliskin hair not without. Fair, accept these terms. Maybe Sid Worley depends on uh, uh, like Three drinks Sid is a bit pushy for me. I don't really like him so much.
1: I would hug David Caruso.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd give him a cuddle.
0: I'd give him a cuddle. He needs a cuddle.
2: That's probably the end of my list.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I'd make out with Seager. She deserves it. She worked hard. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Now we get who could have been better because there's also a big list. For for this, I mean the role of Paula almost went to Kim Basinger.
1: Wildly different movie at that point.
0: Wow. But it was originally given to okay. This this role had kind of had been handed off a few times. It went to Sigourney Weaver. Oh then oh, to man. Angelica Houston. What? <laughs> then later to Jennifer Jason Lee, who dropped out to do fast times at Ridgemont High. Different booba movie. But then Deborah Winger ended up replacing her. But Rebecca DeMornay, Meg Ryan, and Gina Davis also auditioned for the role in the interim. That
2: what? is like the that is like the murderer's row who's who of like Super exactly who like if you if you had said guess who else could have been in this movie that is exactly who I would have guessed.
0: Also, some of the tallest fucking women in Hollywood. Gina Davis, Angelica Houston and Sigourney Weaver are some of the tallest fucking women in Hollywood. Still. Next them. to Richard
1: Gere, known for being very average height. They have to have
0: like 3 inches on Gere. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, well, if you're if you're casting Jeff Bridges, no problem. Yeah. That dude is fucking tall. That's true.
1: Sneaky here. Jennifer Jason Leigh works so well just because of seeing her in Fast
0: Times. Yeah.
1: And like the fact that she's a she's a younger person in this town working a day-to-day job jennifer Mm -hmm. jason lee would have been
0: really really good she would have
1: everybody else i mean like i there's also the like sigourney weaver can do no wrong so right angelica houston but like
0: they're both really elegant well sigourney and angelica are both. i look at i I always think them as more as elegant i know they can do like gritty all that but This type of movie doesn't... like I just don't see them in it at all.
1: Sigourney had already proved it with Ripley. Like, Sigourney proved she could do Gritty.
0: Oh, I know. I know she can, but I'm just like, she's too good for this. She's too good for this shit.
2: (laughs) I also feel like Jennifer Jason Leigh would have read so young for me that it might have skeeved me out as I got older.
1: Yeah,
0: for sure. Because gear reads old and kind of always has. Yeah, she, she will also. Jennifer Jason Lee is very petite as a person. Yes. So, that yeah, that's true. Reading so young. And that's also why she just did the high school movie. So, yeah, which makes total sense. Deborah Winger. <laughs> Deborah Winger. Yeah. I'd... I picked Deborah Winger over all these ladies. Sorry, all you ladies. We love you. Deborah Winger. Wow. You win. You get to go next to any of the other boys that we picked.
1: Any of them, please. And you
0: still win. All right. Next, we have David Keith. As said, Worley, before this, he was in The Great Santini, The Rose, Brutabaker, Take This Job and Shove It. After this, he was in The Lords, Discipline, Firestarter, Heartbreak Hotel, The Two Jakes, Caged Fear, Major League Two, Ernest Goes to School, The Indian in the Cupboard, U571, Men of Honor, Burning Down the House, Daredevil, Raise Your Voice, and Lone Star. What do we think of David Keith? I think that he did a great job.
2: Yeah. I really
0: liked him.
2: I thought he was fun. This is a really like nice, good time guy, gregarious part. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a real good scene chewer role. And yeah. I, I think he
1: just tears it up. He's also vulnerable.
0: He is. He's we vulnerable. get but- to see
1: him vulnerable.
0: And he's also so likable. Yeah. Like he instantly makes friends with other, other guys. He's, he's good. Like he helps out other people in the crew. He has a natural talent. For uh the aerodynamics and whatnot, but you know his heart's not in it, and that's the problem
1: and never was
0: and never what he was he was trying to do something honorable see he was he was already a gentleman, he was never an officer though
1: yep, that's the that's probably why it's an officer and a gentleman
0: oh shut it <laughs> shut it, but he what he was the general he had the peace that his best friend didn't have, yeah mm-hmm. he did you know because while he was not great with the Lynette stuff. His response was, I love you and I want to be with you and I'm leaving because my heart's not in. I have to do what's right for me, but I love you and I want to make a life for us and blah, 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 blah. So like he was trying, he was still trying to be, like honor his feelings for her and he still wanted to take care of her. Even it's like, oh, well, there's no baby. I still love you. It doesn't matter, which is, you know, like lovely and sweet. And then it's just like, oh,
1: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's like goose but more heartbreaking because yes. it's not just that you fell in love with just this like lovable person it's that he finally understood a glimpse of what his purpose could be
0: he was finally true to himself yeah he did not and he did not deserve that
1: and that's just something you don't get in most movies of this period at all no no let alone in a movie like this. Especially
2: not a military movie, not a, mm-hmm. not a military uh, training movie. Mm-hmm. And a character that quits. Yeah. Who quit? to have To have the character who quits have this like, to have this like epiphany and to have that epiphany be the thing that kills him is, boy, that's a real hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is really, really devastating.
0: Speaking of swallowing, (laughs) the scene where David Keith swallows the engagement ring, he actually swallowed the ring, but it was attached to a string so he could just pull it up. In an interview, he said he had to do it about 10 times, and it was awful. Oh my word. Why? What purpose, cinematically, is there to him physically swallowing the ring? I'm already mad enough about all the stuff with Deborah Winger. And now you
1: do this to our sweet, wonderful boy. Fuck you. Why? Why? That's some of the most
2: hogwild shit I've ever heard in my whole life. Why? Times?
1: I would quit. One take. You get
2: one fucking take of that. And do it that better one time. work. I would do it zero times. I
0: mean, depends <laughs> on how much money you're paying me. I will try <laughs> one time. Like, if,
1: man. If, here's the if it
0: doesn't come back up. I get to keep it. <laughs> if I can't pull that thing back up, that ring, that string. this thing, whatever enters this body, I keep.
1: God, you could sell that for a ton of money, too. Get it all cleaned Ooh. up and be like, this is Ooh. a one of a kind piece of movie memorabilia.
2: The ring, the string, the whole insurance budget on your film, they all belong to me now.
1: Oh, mine now.
2: they oh, oh. did.
0: What uh, in the world? I know. That's horrible. It's so horrible. I'm mad at it. I'm really mad at it. What in the world? What could have ever required that? <sighs>
2: Taylor
1: Hackford apparently.
2: Apparently, he is way more demanding than I could have ever realized. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Ugh. No. This guy who I've been saying is like, well, he's fine and he comes in on time and under budget.
0: <laughs> He's the greatest actor that ever lived. God damn. Uh, Next, we have Louis Gossett Jr. as Sergeant Emil Foley. Before this, he was in A Raisin in the Sun, The Landlord, Travels with My Aunt, The Laughing Policeman, The Deep, and The Choir Boys. After this, he was in Jaws 3D, Finders Keepers, Enemy Mine, Iron Eagle, Firewalker, Iron Eagle 2, The Punisher, Toy Soldiers, Aces Iron Eagle 3, Digstown, Curse of the Starving Class, Iron Eagle 4, The Highwayman, Why Did I Get Married Two, and Watchmen, TV series. God, there were four Iron Eagles, God. Yeah. And I've only seen two of them. I haven't seen any of those. What do we think of Louis Gossett Jr.?
2: I'm i I'm a huge fan of his. I'm a huge fan of basically everything that I have ever seen Lou Gossett Jr. touch mm-hmm. ever since I saw him do A Raisin in the Sun when I was a uh, small, small boy because my my grandmother would always take me and we would rent uh, film versions of stage plays from the library. Uh, so Raisin in the Sun was an old favorite of mine. I think he does a bang up job in this as as preposterous as some of the things that he's asked to do in this film are. yeah, I think that he fully believes in everything that he is doing and that makes it awesome. <laughs> I know. From his silk pajamas sash karate scene to uh, to some of the most ridiculous lines of ridiculing dialogue I have ever seen a drill sergeant be asked to deliver to a cadet in a film. He just, he believes it and he sells it. And it's terrific.
0: I mean, if Deborah Winger carries this movie, he's the one who sells the movie. Yeah. Because if you don't have both of those two things, this movie doesn't work at all. You're sunk. Like, we could trade out anybody for Zach Mayo. Like, come on. We could put any, we could put it completely unknown. We named a bunch of them earlier. We did. We did. (laughs) But Deborah Winger and Lewis Gossett Jr. are what make this movie work. He's phenomenal. Yeah. And he feels dangerous. What I do love is that the rest of them are kind of scared of him and Zach isn't. Like, oh, I've been hearing bullshit like this my whole life. Like, you don't intimidate me. And I love that to Foley, okay, you're going to be my challenge. I'll get you. And then he finally does. When he finally breaks down Mayo, that's when Foley's like, okay, we're done for the day. Okay, I got what I needed from you. We're good.
1: The interesting thing is, so we, we've done the comparison, right? With Full Metal Jacket, Arlie Ermy feels dangerous in a way that will never be rectified. Lou Gossett Jr. feels dangerous but in control.
0: Sure, Arlie Ermy coached Gossett for his role. as film. Yeah, he did. That sounds um, about right. Which he was initially hired as the coach for Full Metal Jacket before he took on that role.
1: Before he stole that role, let's be very clear. Well, he
0: did. He did officially steal that role. So he, yeah, yes. he he was Gossett's coach for this this film. I, I like that you mentioned him.
1: Gossett never feels out of control of what he's doing with these guys.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: always feels like he knows exactly what he's doing to pinpoint what he needs to do. And then he also shows that little bit of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. One, in the tank scene. And then two, when we see at the end of the movie, when they yeah. graduate.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, and because it's the Sergeant Foley feels like he has a goal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's a job.
2: Gunnery, the the gunnery sergeant in Full Metal Jacket doesn't feel like he has a stated goal. Mm -mm. It doesn't feel like he's trying to achieve anything. No. He feels in that film like an agent of chaos.
0: In that movie, it really feels like I'm trying to get rid of all of, I'm trying to weed everybody out. If that means I only end up with one cadet, that's fine because that's the only one worth their salt.
2: And like you're trying to survive in spite of exactly this man who's, who's trying to kill you.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then this one, it's my goal is I want to get as many of you. My, as like if I, if I get 20 cadets, I want to get 20 cadets across the finish line, but you have to meet all. Uh, requirements.
1: It's also officers versus enlisted men. Sure. That's a huge part of it.
0: Oh, Full Metal yes. Jacket
1: is about enlisted guys. So it's like, this is a meat grinder. I don't fucking care if you make it out of basic or not. You yeah. are fodder for for gunfire. Like, yeah. that's it. And in this, we're trying to raise the generation of leadership in the Navy. Yeah. And
2: I, I, there's, there's this sort of like metaphysical thing about it as well, where He wants to get rid of the people who are not going to be good for this,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: no matter how he does it,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: including but not limited to changing who you are. I'm going to get rid of you by -hmm. keeping you here and finding out who the real you is, Zach Mayo. Yep.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I'm going to meet the real Zach Mayo. Yeah. And the real Zach Mayo is going to finish this. And whoever this bullshit asshole is who turned up I'm going to kill him and he's not going to be here anymore.
0: He states it at the beginning. I'm going to leave you better than how I found you. Mm -hmm. That's his thesis statement for the entire thing, which I love this campsite rule. Like that's how you should treat people. I'm going to leave you better than I found you. He feels so frightening. And then at the same time, he shows
2: you so often how much he cares about you. Yep. Yep. And how much he wants, he does, he wants you to succeed.
0: If there is one character in this film who is written perfectly, it's this one.
1: Mm, yes.
0: I would not change anything. However, Uh-oh. he was originally written as a short white Southerner based on Douglas Day Stewart's own drill instructor. Okay. But when it came time trying to cast, they were having a really hard time getting the right person. And so they started doing a little bit more research and they found out in Pensacola, Florida, all the best drill instructors were African-American. That's how they found Lewis Gossett Jr. There you go. I'm not going to call this to who could have been better because there's it's not fucking possible. <laughs> but I'm going I'm to tell you the other people who were considered before this, uh, they, they figured out like, hey, we need to change. Before they got it right? Before Yeah, before they figured out, hey,
1: this is not how this should be. Lou Gossett Jr., please.
0: Yes. Jack Nicholson.
1: I can see it. And an alternate reality.
0: Well, they're going. They're trying to go for an A-list actor here. Like this, if you're gonna stunt cast, this is the role you stunt cast. But he's
1: also so much better as a general.
0: Well, eh, whatever. Or
1: colonel, like an upper echelon military guy instead of a, an actual DI makes a lot more sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Mandy Patinkin. Ooh,
1: I want to see that screen test
0: they he I gave a he that. gave an audition the producers loved but they nixed it because they thought he was too ethnic to play a drill instructor
1: oh,
0: fuck me. The, Jewish, oh, Jewish? what oh i hate this entire crew <laughs> i'm i'm blaming don simpson this is don
2: simpson fuck you i'm 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 imagining don simpson in my head just sitting sitting in a ah Patinkin! <laughs>
1: Patinkin, too ethnic
2: too ethnic get him out of here <laughs> jesus christ what in the world
0: and then garbage human james wood was offered the part but turned it down no
1: here's a, so here's the thing until he became a garbage human james woods was without a doubt in in fantastic character actor
0: once a garbage person always a garbage person
1: but not a, a scunnery sergeant i
2: can i don't know my problem with james woods in this in this part is that i just i can't look at him and believe a single thing that comes out of his mouth mm-hmm. yeah no he's too
0: slick he's too yeah. cool he's too there's no sincerity
1: marmy yeah but
0: there wouldn't be any sincerity so yeah. it's Louis gossett jr all day gossett
1: jr Again, I want to see the Mandy Patinkin audition.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'll watch that. uh, Mandy Patinkin Patinkin
1: being a gunnery sergeant? Yes.
0: You know who I want Mandy Patinkin to be in this movie? Because I just want him in every movie all the time, always. Yeah. He can play daddy. Yeah. Make him daddy. Sure. Oh, yeah. Because we've got Robert Loja as Byron Mayo. So like, spoiler alert on this trivia. Daddy was supposed to have a bigger role.
1: Uh, Okay. It
0: all got cut. So if Daddy's going to have a bigger role, I want a different. I want Mandy Patinkin. I'm just calling that. That's what I want.
1: Well, I don't hate Robert Loja. Okay. Robert Loja's a good actor.
0: He's fine. But okay. before this, he was in all the theater and the TV. He was in The Greatest Story Ever Told, Three Sisters, Jay, Revenge of the Pink Panther, The Ninth Configuration, SOB. After this, he was in... Trail of the Pink Panther, Psycho 2, Curse of the Pink Panther, Scarface, Pritzi's Honor, Jagged Edge, Armed and Dangerous, That's Life, Over the Top. Isn't is Over the Top? I'm sorry. Whenever that movie comes up, it, I I go crazy. The Believers, Big, Necessary Roughness, Independence Day, Lost Highway, Holy Man, Return to Me, and some not so fabulous things recently. What do we think of Robert Loge? I think
1: the Loge does his job. Again, if I'd have gotten a chance to see what more was there for his character maybe it would be more interesting to see what he did. Because Robert Loggia is good at this kind of role.
0: He was supposed to visit Zach during training.
1: Mm. Wouldn't hate that scene. Really no. wouldn't.
0: And so they make the whole big deal at the beginning about how Zach says, you'll never salute me when I become an officer. Well, they shot the scene where he comes, where Zach goes back to his dad and he salutes him. So they, they they had that scene and then they cut it and Robert Loja protested like he was pissed. They cut that scene because that's a big deal. Yes. So his dad salutes his sign. That's a huge like, it's a huge deal and that footage is actually considered lost because it's not on apparently it's not on any like DVDs or anything.
1: Don Simpson burned it under a pile of cocaine apparently. they
2: They only talk about it like constantly through like the first 15 minutes of the movie yeah about how what a big deal it would be it's check off salute <laughs> have to salute him and then,
0: to, and then nothing
2: but the movie doesn't have it i thought was always in intentional and i guess it was just for like jerky reasons and not artistic ones
1: <laughs> i'm so mad at this movie now I,
0: know. I mean yeah i just can we have manu Petink and his daddy because then he wouldn't have gotten cut. Just
1: let Robert Loja do his damn job. Apparently that's just way
2: too much to ask for anybody. It's too much.
0: All right. Now we get to our pawns, random people of note. So we have Lisa Blount as Lynette Pomeroy. Then we had Lisa Eilbacher as Casey Seeger. She was awesome. She actually said that the hardest part about this role for her was pretending that she was not physically fit. She was the (laughs) most in shape of any actor there. Boom. Get them.
2: I, I love, love
0: that. I love. Because you do actually have to be physically fit to do that many takes of being not physically fit. Like, I love that. Uh, then we have uh, Tony Plana as Della Sarah. Um, he was also in Three Amigos as Jefe, the main bad guy. <gasps> <laughs> what? That's Yeah, that's who that guy is. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, we have Harold Sylvester as Perryman. He was later show up and married with children copper daniels if he looks familiar that's david caruso from all of the csi
1: that is david caruso yeah that's why i was like i want to give david caruso a hug i'm
0: like (laughs) why why is why is that man so familiar why do i feel so safe yeah
1: csi miami nearly (laughs) drowns in a flying tank
0: yeah you knew he was you knew he like that guy's gonna almost drown he's gonna not be okay
1: we knew that but then i saw the red hair and i was like oh that's david caruso
0: Victor French as Joe, Paula's dad, because I cannot say her last name. Pakrisky <laughs> Pakrisky. He was in uh, Little House on the Prairie and Highway to Heaven. And then we have Grace Zabrisky as Esther, Paula's mom. She has been in everything, most notably Twin Peaks, as Laura's mom.
1: Sarah Palmer.
0: Sarah Palmer. And then we have Tom Ricciardelli as an officer candidate. He was unaccredited, uh, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. So yeah, so those are our pons
1: Can I throw one more r in? As the altitude chamber instructor, whose voice we hear, uh huh, Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't notice this until now. But can you put your mask back on? <gasps>
0: that's that's Ed Begley Jr. That saved the Earth. Save the Earth, Ed Begley Jr. Yeah, Mister
2: Powers is by riding a stationary bicycle. Yeah.
0: Wow, what a what a get for that voice. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, so trivia. According to Louis Gossett Jr.'s book, An Actor and a Gentleman, Richard Gere and Deborah Winger did not get along during filming and would distance themselves from each other significantly when the camera wasn't rolling. Publicly, she called him a brick wall, and he did admit that there was tension between them. So even though he had taught billing and screen time, he reacted badly when he realized that she had the chops to steal every scene that they were in. So like he was was having a little shit fit about it. About 30 years later, Gerard was complimentary towards Winger when he said that she was much more open to the camera than she was. And he appreciated the fact that she actually was there to present an award for him at the Rome Film Festival oh that's nice
1: Like bury, bury that beef glad that you were able to to get over it because
0: like dude you're a, you're an ass
1: also you have arguably had a more monetarily successful career
2: so just get over it because some people can hang on to that stuff forever
1: and also deborah winger is a legend we said leave dolly alone you leave deborah, deborah alone, alone. And imagine getting mad because deborah winger's good chill out
0: (laughs) just being outshined by the women who are carrying your movies clearly (laughs) paula shows zach a photograph of her biological father revealing that he was an officer candidate the picture was actually screenwriter douglas day stewart when he graduated from pensacola no, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of fun okay all right initially the mpaa gave the film an x rating because of the sex scene in which deborah winger was on top of richard Gere and moved her hips in a way the censors did not approve <laughs> well thought was given to an appeal ultimately taylor hackford and paramount pictures opted to move in from the wider shot to a closer one making it less objectionable to the censor's eyes so they just cut it
2: all you have to do is remove female pleasure and you'll get the rating you want
0: yep,
1: there you go there yeah. you go
0: Producer Don Simpson unsuccessfully demanded that the ballad Up Where We Belong be cut from the film, saying that song is no good. It isn't a hit. The song later became the number one song on the Billboard chart and won the Academy Award for Best Song. He wanted a similar song called On the Wings of Love by Jeffrey Osborne. That song was released a few months later, and it only peaked at 29 on the Billboard charts.
1: On the Wings of Love! Does this guy...
2: Does it hurt him to be as wrong as he is all the time? Like, does it cause him physical pain?
0: I mean,
1: he's dead now, I believe. So I hope, I
0: hope it does. I hope yeah. it does. In hell. In hell. Because that's where he is. For sure. Guaranteed. <laughs> Richard Gere did not like shooting the ending of the film. He thought... Oh, because of his weak baby arms or... <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was too sentimental. And actually, Taylor Hackford agreed. Until the rehearsal, when all the extras who were playing the workers began to cheer and cry. And then later, when Gear saw the finished scene with the song, you know, Up Where We Belong, on the tempo, he said it gave him chills. And he's now convinced that it gave... They 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 made the right decision. Screenwriter Michael Haig in his book Writing Screenplays at Cell echoed this opinion. I don't believe that those cru- who criticized the Cinderella style ending were paying very close attention to who exactly was rescuing who. Very true. Hmm. Okay. It's a tr- it's a true sentiment. Like he's not rescuing her. He's not. No.
1: Wow. It's true. That's a really deep read of uh, of what symbolically now represents a very shallow moment. Yeah. But I get that at the time when people saw that and experienced the movie, that's not what they read. They read that much deeper tone
0: to it. Huh. If we saw Paula, if we had gotten more of Paula's story. Yeah. Especially for today, we would not have that immediate, just a dude trying to rescue a lady. We, we would get more of the like, oh, he's recognizing that she has saved him.
1: And the fact that the officer's hat goes on her.
0: Oh, she takes it off and puts it on her, which is
1: kind of a big thing if you're making that point. Well, and do you think that some of it is because you've seen it
2: homaged like a million times before? Yeah, that's a huge part of it too, Mm -hmm. and not having seen the movie before. Like you see, you've seen the ending of this movie a million times before. You've seen the ending of this movie, so
0: so that's a thing. So I had never seen this film until we watched it for this. So I'd only ever really seen the ending and I'd seen like bits of the, the training montage. So the officer and a gentleman I always thought was a play on the fact that she was the officer and he was the gentleman. And so that I always thought that there had been some switcheroo that at some point she had dropped out of the military or something. So that's why at the end he's in the military uniform and she's not. I that's what I heard. I was like, oh, because you know it's a play on words. Like that's right. the thing. It's an officer and a gentleman, because you would assume officer's a dude, of course. Right. Always a dude. This is why it's clever. <laughs> that was that was young, you know, progressive Diana trying to be like, sure, sure, but no.
1: no, dudes just
2: fucked up this movie left and right. No, they were just trying to be like clever
1: in a weird, stupid way. <sighs>
0: Because officers are supposed to be gentlemen.
1: Give this movie to a lady to direct, please.
0: Come on, Patty Jenkins. Let's go.
2: Give give this movie to Diana to direct and rewrite, apparently. (laughs)
1: Rewrite. Rewrite.
0: I'll get on it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do it. Apparently, that's what I need to be doing. In a 2013 interview, Richard Gare talked about how him and Louis Gossett Jr. were specially trained for the karate scenes that were used in the sequences in the film. Gear had already mastered his karate moves while Gossett apparently struggled with them after being trained. While they were filming. Gear accidentally kicked Gossett in the groin, which Gossett responded with by leaving the set very quickly. And he didn't show up for another two days. So in order to keep filming and moving forward, they used his body double to stand in for Gossett so they continue wrapping up the scene. But despite this incident, Gear took full responsibility for it, and even years later, it does not affect their friendship. So they're they're still on good terms. Well, that's nice to hear. It's that's weird. good.
2: I'm I'm glad that you can you can take a shot like that, and no receipts. Everybody's still happy.
0: The motel scenes were filmed at the Tides Motel in Port Townsend, Washington. The room they used still has a wooden plaque on the door commemorating its use in the movie. Dwight Yoakam is the lead singer in the band at the ball singing tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. Holy fuck. <laughs> what? <laughs> I knew that one, but I kept it out of our, our pods just because it's too fun. Dwight Yoakam. Dwight wow. Yoakam. Oh. I, love, I love when that man shows up and stuff. He's so good. The U.S. Navy did not permit filming at Pensacola, the site of the actual aviation officer candidate school in 1981. Deactivated U.S. Army Base Fort Warden stood in for the location of this school, um, which is an actual naval air station in the Puget Sound area. However, that installation, which is still an operating air station today, it's a whole thing, but uh, it's not an Aval Air Training Command installation. So they used a naval place, but it's not the right But one. it's not really one. But it's not the right one because the Navy said no. It's not totally, completely accurate. Not completely accurate, but like this, so you know what's going on, okay? The obstacle course was especially built for the film. The blimp hanger used for the famous fight scene between, for the karate scene, is located at Fort Warden State Park, and as of 2013 is still intact, but has been converted into a 1,200 seat performing arts pavilion called McCurdy Pavilion. Okay, all right, that's good use of like what they built
1: of a giant covered space. Yeah
0: in what is essentially a state park. I, I appreciate that. I love it. The decompression chamber, which was one of the only other sets constructed for the film, is also still intact, but it's in the basement, which can be seen through uh, windows of, their build- of the building. <laughs> so like you can see it, but you can't really visit it.
2: Right. And I mean, it's not like the coolest spot to visit either. Like it's a okay. Room.
0: There's a room. I have seen many rooms. It's here. Like, which is at this point, it's also like, get rid of it like if it's not something you're gonna visit or you see on a tour either move it so you can or get rid of it
1: it's a room in which you could deprive me of oxygen but not really because it
2: doesn't actually work no we built it for this movie unless you can unless you can actually turn off the oxygen because apparently this movie was made by psychopaths who make you eat rings
0: (laughs) i wouldn't put it past them Paula says her mom is 39 years old. And later over dinner, she shows him a pic of her real dad who knocked her up about 22 years ago, meaning her mom would have been 17 years old. So her mom was a minor. If a naval cadet knocked up a 17-year-old, that would have been a much bigger deal than she is letting on. At least it should have been. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, I mean. Yeah, not good. No, don't like it. And uh, for our last piece of trivia, it is a Navy tradition for newly commissioned officers to give a silver dollar to the person who gives them their first salute. In the scene where the new graduates of Gunnery Sergeant Foley's class received their first salute, you can see them giving Foley a silver dollar prior to each salute. It is also a tradition for the drill instructor to place the silver dollar for his memorable students in his right pocket. You see that Mayo's dollar is placed in his right pocket rather than the left pocket, for all the other students.
2: Yes. And he's the, he's the only student that gets the right pocket treatment. I believe. Correct.
0: Uh, I would have liked Seeger to have gotten in that pocket too, but uh, yeah, yes. But if we start with that, you don't notice it later. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I understand. Cause if you're not in the military or you don't read this trivia, you don't know that. I wouldn't have known no. that either. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I, I, you gotta make it, you gotta make it stand out.
1: Why did we not write that level of detail for any other character?
0: i'm fine because this is at the end of the movie that's fine it still i like that we're at that that at this this moment is earned
1: i know it just it shows how much care they put in the gunnery sergeant character and how little care they put to some of the other characters true where you're just like come on guys you could have done way better
0: fair all right awards oh shit yeah Uh, we'd love to talk about the oscars on on this podcast um this is almost nominated for some how many Uh, six it was nominated for best supporting actor for lewis gossett jr it was nominated for best actress for deborah winger because hell's fucking yeah it was also nominated for best original screenplay best film editing best original score and best original song which i already said they won for up where we belong so yeah so we know they won that lewis gossett jr won lewis gossett jr's best actor in a supporting role academy award win was the First Oscar in that category won by an African-American and the first for an African-American in any acting category since Sidney Poitier's Best Actor Oscar for Lilies of the Field in 1963. Yep. It's 20 years.
2: A real banger to win it on.
0: Uh, He's amazing. Amazing. I'm so happy he won this. I'm so happy he was recognized with a nomination and I'm so happy when I don't even know who else was nominated. I don't care. (laughs) I love him so much.
2: Yeah, I I don't know who else was there off the top of my head. I think that I realized that he won for this uh, when I was doing my deep dive on the movie getting ready for this. Mm -hmm. And and. On probably my third watch through of this movie in a week, I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, absolutely. Why? Why not? Who could
0: stop him?" <laughs> that brings us to ratings. So, with every film, we do a rating system. What should our rating system be for for this?
1: Well, I mean, that goddamn engagement ring.
0: Oh, engage. Oh, oh yeah, swallowed engagement ring. <laughs>
1: engagement? That that goes that up on the list. Sure.
0: and sad, though. Yeah. Silver dollars.
1: Silver dollars. Okay. Okay. I can do that. Very good.
0: That's that's so sad. (laughs) That's way less sad. (laughs) Plus sad and traumatic. Yeah, that's fair. I'll start with it. We talked a
1: lot about the stuff that we are just like why and then bad, and I'm still gonna give this movie a three because I feel like the strength of the cast, even Richard Gere, who I'm like. It does feel stiff and not, and maybe a bit miscast still captivated me enough to where everybody's giving a whole lot to a script. That's a pretty big mess and mm-hmm. they still manage to pull it off. Okay. I'm going to give it a three in spite of itself.
0: Okay. Michael, what are you thinking?
2: As I've, as I've already said, I I love this movie mm-hmm. so very, very deeply mm-hmm. and I don't think that it's good. <laughs> I,
0: I, I love that i love that so much
2: i'm so in love with it and i think it's bad uh, <laughs> it's but totally fair. but for a movie that if if i walked out of this room and it was on television i would sit down and watch every minute of it all yep. the way to the end regardless of where it was that's how i feel about it too I don't think I can possibly give it less than three silver dollars and they're all going straight in the right. Pocket. Like totally. I, I can't go less than three for a movie that no matter where it's at in its runtime, if it was on, I'm going to sit down and finish it. I mean, I'm going to go higher than both
0: of y'all. I'm going to give this a four. Wow. That was my first am inst- I'm, I'm, ent- I'm trying to just go with my first instinct and not think about yeah, it too much. I'm only knocking it for the script, the writing. That's my only problem. I mean, the directing, who cares? I'm fine with the cast as is. I can deal with gear so long as we get to keep Deborah Winger and, and gossip. Like, I don't care. I just need to fix the script problems. And then this wins everything because I like it. It was a good two hours. That song is a banger. Like That song is a banger. <laughs> like, I just want to fix our script problems. And then I have no issues. This is
1: one of those movies that I feel like I will want to watch again without my critical eye turn toward it. Because sure. yeah. if I turn off my brain a little bit, I'll probably enjoy it a whole lot more.
2: Oh yeah. I'll tell you what, when I, when I was watching this movie, the, the first go round when I was not taking notes and I was just like, all right, first time in a while, we're, <laughs> we're just going to get right back into it. I was just like, wow, <laughs> we're back. it's the eighties and we're in, we're in, washington state yeah <laughs> and then Amazing. when i started like having to care about it and think about it i was like man this sucks <laughs> this whole movie sucks i it's hate fair. that this movie
0: sucks it's okay it's okay you know it's an it's important to be able to look at your nostalgia media and go i know what's wrong with it and i yeah. still love it i did yeah. that with
1: top gun for so Everybody's many years doing that with
0: friends right now. Okay. It's no, okay. You're, you're allowed did. to love it. It is so deeply in my soul. It's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like y'all know how much I know about my little pony. I know about a million times more about friends.
1: Because you lived it firsthand.
0: <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's a problem. Yes, I have all the Legos there already built into my house. Um, it's a thing, but I can also be very critical of the things that are wrong with it. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's called maturing.
1: I'll tell you what, Look, everybody should see this movie. It's one of those that you should see.
2: I think so. Yes. I think so. I it's, it's a, a real touchstone movie, especially if you're trying to like, if you're trying to understand a specific place and time in the United States of America, the, the U.S. is a massive, massive country, and I think this does a really good job of telling a good story about a place and a time. Yep. yep. And I think that it has, a, it has a good sense of that, and I think mm-hmm. it does a good job of that.
0: Yes.
1: And with that, we will take our leave. What a wonderful discussion, Michael. Thank you so much for being thank our guest. Thank you so
2: much for
0: having me. I had such a blast. This was so much fun. And if people want to find more of you, how can they find more of you on this wonderful internet?
2: Well, I am at it's MLP on Twitter and you can always listen to me on the Lafresian Chronicles. We are in season one, Arzen. We're about halfway through and we've made some season two announcements on the Lafresian Chronicles on Twitter. Uh, You can check all of that out everywhere that you get podcasts. And I think that those are all of the best places to find me and all of the weird, interesting things that I am into
0: fabulous well again uh thank you so much and we can't wait to have you on again for another movie in the future oh goodness i would love to fabulous and until next time
1: have a good movie have a good movie